and I left him a voicemail. I'm like, hey, Glenn, you don't know me. I'm Katie Darrell. I used to work at MTV. I'm currently at this radio station, blah, blah, blah. I heard you hired someone, and I can assure you have the wrong person. Call me back. Welcome back to another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood. And before I introduce my next guest, I have to ask, did you want to be an MTV VJ when you were a teenager? I did. I saw Martha Quinn and Nina Blackwood and thought, oh my God, that's my dream job. Our next guest is living the dream. Starting off her career at age 15 as a radio DJ, she worked her way up to a morning show producer role at KISS FM in Phoenix and completed an internship at Sports Fan Radio Network. In 1998, she moved across country to New York and became a reporter for the political show Choose or Lose on MTV. Well, later she set sail to Dallas for a radio reporter job and she found herself working on the Mark Cuban show on UPN and CBS. Then she joined Cuban's HDNet channel that later rebranded as Access TV. And if for some crazy reason you don't know Access TV, Ask the guys in your life. They'll tell you all about it. There, she's hosted and produced a number of shows, including the world's greatest tribute bands, for which she won a Cable Facts Program Award for Best Host in 2017, Rock and Tell, Music High Five, The Top Ten Revealed, At Home and Social Online, and oh my gosh, she's the fiestable princess who became the 21st century rock and roll reporter on the scene, Move over, Kurt Loader. Make room for Katie Darrell. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Thank you. You're um, welcome. Welcome to the show. I, I'm pleased to be here. Wow. I mean, I, I was like, okay, that's a great highlight reel. I, I appreciate the introduction. I'm happy to be here. And anytime I go anywhere, if you can walk into the room before me and introduce me, that would be wonderful. I'm all over it. <laughs> Just let me know when. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're coming at you, everybody. Well, we're kind of bi-coastal here. I'm in Detroit. Well, and I'm in Los Angeles, or might I say the Valley of Los Angeles, where it's a lot hotter and sweatier. <laughs> oh, one of those days, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of gross. But, you know, I, I just actually moved to the Valley. I was a West Hollywood girl. I lived right off of the Sunset Strip. I could basically walk to the Roxy and the Whiskey A Go-Go and the Troubadour. But, you know, I had a kid. He's five years old now. And just the growing pains really started to uh, get into the system when COVID hit. And my husband, I just needed a greener pasture, aka a yard with a play structure. And so we moved to the Valley having family makes a difference. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, the rock and roll lifestyle is a lot harder to lead. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I went through the exact same transition, so I get it. And so do a lot of other women in rock and roll, which is why we're here actually talking with women and and music and, and how this crazy industry that we love so much affects us. One of the ways that we do this on the show is we start off with a shakedown. Okay. And the shakedown is a group of short answer questions that we ask all of our guests. So are you ready to shake it down? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. First question. Who was your first concert? My very first concert. It's kind of a two-part answer, okay? My first concert where I went with like my parents. So it was like my dorky concert, although I do love them. 
the Steve Miller Band. So I got to go to the Steve Miller Band. I loved it. I've always been a, a Steve Miller fan since then. Woo! Woo! <laughs> um, but then the first concert that I said, I need to save up money and I want to buy the tickets and go to this concert was U2. The concert was actually at the ASU Sun Devil Stadium, which if anyone knows this venue, it's the football stadium and it's built in the side of a mountain. And it was the Octoon Baby Tour. And I think we were in like the second to last row all the way up in the nosebleeds. But oh, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And I've been a Bono fan ever since. Did you cry? You know, I didn't cry. Um, you know, I think I was, I was, I was still a wee tot. I was maybe like seventh or eighth grade maybe. And so I didn't have those emotions in me. Uh, had I been more of an angst teenager at the time, I'm sure I would have been like, I love you the edge. Okay. Moving on to question number two. What was the first album you bought with your own money? Oh, you know, I mean, sadly, I'm a little anticlimactic because it goes right in hand with, um, it was U2, it was Octune Baby. But I do also remember right after that, um, a cassette that really has burned into my brain for some reason. I was obsessed with the single, it was a single cassette from Madonna for that song, Rain. <gasps> oh, yes. I mean, you don't have to act impressed. It's not. No. <laughs> It's no, terrible, I love that song. but uh, I was obsessed with that era of Madonna. Not necessarily like the material girl, but more like after she was in a league of their own and stuff like that. And so I, I bought that. I remember at a Tower Records. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? Oh, I love this question because as most people will say, it changes week to week. And so I have like my usuals, you know, if I'm like, okay, Google, play just classic rock. That's always easy to do in my house. But my latest obsession right now is the artist LP, just the initials LP. She's amazing. She has this new music video that is very cinematic. It's like a movie when you watch it. It stars Jamie King, the actress. It's really sexy. It's shot in this amazing mansion. It reminds you of a party back in the roaring 20s, if you will, or just, you know, even the 40s and 50s. Her music is amazing. I had a great interview with her recently, and she's in heavy rotation right now. Okay, so everybody listening, this sounds like something that we want to see like on YouTube first, right? Because we have to get the go full see effect. the video. If you watch the video by LP, it's the latest one with Jamie King. So like, just Google LP Jamie King. It's beautiful. Okay, we're all over it. Next question: Which woman has had the most influence on your career? My mom. I mean, I know that's that's an answer. That's like a really sweet answer. So if you, I have a famous person answer as well, but I think my mom's always been in my corner. She's always taught me that I can do anything and to just go for it. And even when my career, I wouldn't say been has been in a rut, but you know, when I've started to slow down and just start mailing it in, she's the one that's always like, "Well, did you see who got the Today Show hired? I mean, why didn't you harass your agent?" And like, so she's definitely the one that has my back to encourage me to keep pushing forward, not get too settled and just be able to juggle work with, you know, a child. She juggled work as an ER nurse with three kids. And so on the days when I'm like, mom, you don't even get it. It's so hard. She eye rolls at me. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sure. You just don't get it. Uh, so uh, my mom, but um, the, the famous person answer, Marilyn Monroe. I grew up obsessed with Marilyn Monroe. And I loved that she balanced her sex appeal with her beauty, with her talent, 
with her ability to control a room. She could sing. Mm -hmm. She could act. And she was very prolific. I mean, when you go through and you read some of the poetry in her journals, she's very deep. And so she was very underestimated. And she was very stereotyped. And there's a lot below the surface. She's definitely an iceberg. Yeah. And that caused a lot of heartache for her because she was so Mm -hmm. underestimated and stereotyped. And what a major impact for a short life. Truly. I mean, right. She, I mean, although she's not a member of that 27 club, she's definitely an example of one of those stars that shined so bright and so quick and left such a big impact. Okay. Next question. If you could have dinner with any woman dead or alive, who would it be? Well, crap. That's not fair. I just told you my answer, I think. Meryl Monroe, come ah. on. But, uh, I'll, I'll take this one, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot. Mother Teresa. Okay. And I'm not a highly religious gal. I did, um, <laughs> I did do uh, 13 years of Catholic schooling, K through 12. So um, I'm, I'm a recovering Catholic. <laughs> but I think I, I, I think I could use some calm. Mm. In my life, I think I could probably use a little bit more of uh, just take a moment to remember the bigger picture and to be bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think having a meal with her would probably kind of recharge me and reboot me and put me in the right direction. Not that I'm in the wrong direction. I'm just saying, I think I would leave a bit, you know, hashtag humbled. Love it. After the meal. Yes, that would definitely be... um... It's almost like meeting the Dalai Lama, right? Where you, right. you just yeah. feel like there's going to be this calm. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, like maybe, maybe I'll have the answer. <laughs> right. It'll ping. Yep. <laughs> All right. Here is our last question. What is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? This is funny. And it, I mean, obviously it could change. But one thing I've been kind of talking about you know, putting on the vision board a lot lately is I would love to do VO on a children's cartoon. Um, Yeah. I mean, I've done so much VO and it's all been rock and roll VO, or even when I did VO for TMZ TV, when it launched for the first two years, you know, oh my God, there goes Britney Spears, you know, it's always been in the, that sort of adult genre, but I think it translates really well to kids. And now that I have a kid and I watch so many cartoons, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So um, that's kind of on the to-do list. Okay, so I'm just going to ask. It's not part of the shakedown. We wrap that up. But what's your favorite cartoon? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Favorite cartoon right now in our house is Ladybug and Cat Noir. It's based in Paris. She's a fashion designer during the day. And at night, she solves crimes. Because that's what fashion designers do. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, and then her love interest also like fights crimes and he doesn't know that she's who she is and she doesn't know that he's who he is and they have a crush on each other. And will they ever get together? Tune in for season five. The world may never know. <laughs> All right. Well, we just wrapped up the shakedown and everybody, we're going to be right back with Katie Daryl after this message. Attention female musicians and DJs. Horizon Music invites you to join our all-female marketplace that connects you with event hosts and planners for paid gigs. The good news? It's absolutely free to create an account. Go to horizonmusic.org and click on Marketplace to get more information. Again, that's H-E-R-I-Z-O-N music.org. Horizon Music would like to thank our friends South by Southwest, Search Plus International, Giving Out Loud, Pito's Handmade Vodka, Gibson Brands, and Kendra Scott for their patronage. 
If you want to support women in music, please donate today at horizonmusic.org. Again, that's H-E-R-I-Z-O-N music.org. Now, let's get back to the show. And welcome back. We are here with Katie Darrell of Access TV, among many other things. But right now, I am going to ask her a question that I know, especially as a young person, I would not have known how to answer this. So I guess it's our educational portion of the program. We're all pretty familiar with what a television host or show host does in front of the camera. What happens behind the scenes? Mm. Okay. This is interesting because for all the shows that I've really done, I've not only been the host, but I've been the producer. I always say that I'm a better producer than I am a host. And one of the reasons I hire myself as a host is because hosts are a pain in the butt and I don't want to work with anyone. (laughs) I'd rather just tell myself to do another take and know why. So behind the scenes, I mean, listen, when it comes to just hosting, behind the scenes, it sounds glamorous, but it is tedious. A typical day of being like, okay, well, I've got to be on camera and you have to do your hair and your makeup, especially right now in COVID, you're doing your own hair and your own makeup. It's a time suck, you guys. It really is a time suck. I, if any of you know what I look like, I have these giant curls and I don't wake up like that. I have to tame the mane. And so like behind the scenes prep, they do an interview. If it's like, I've got an interview at 10 a.m., I'm definitely in the shower by 8 a.m. because to do the blow dry and all that stuff, it's like this two-hour prep for very simple makeup. But like, I've got so much hair, it takes 45 minutes to dry, you guys. Like, it's an investment. (laughs) Um, I should really, I should pivot to wigs. I really should. So behind (laughs) the scenes, um, a lot of memorization, a lot of reading and practicing reading, whatever's going to be on the teleprompter in advance to make sure that there's not a lot of stumbles so that you don't have to do a lot of retakes. I'm a one-and-done girl. So if I do a take and I'm happy with it, I don't do one for safety. This drives a lot of directors that I work with mad. But to me, I'm like, listen, it's my show. I'm producing it. I know I got the take. If it's bad, it's only me and my face that's going to you know, be the one that's paying the price of it. And I'm willing to take that risk because I want to keep moving because yeah. I've booked five things in this day and I got to have dinner on the table for a little tiny tot loving kid at 5 p.m. So let's go. No retakes. Good for you. So then where does the producer role step in? A great example for right now, one of the things I do for Access TV is a show called At Home and Social, and it is an in-depth artist interview, kind of like what we're doing right now. It's 21 minutes, and there's a new one every week on Access TV. If you download their apps or go to any of their social pages, you'll see it. And so one week I might be interviewing the guys of The Offspring. Another week it might be Nancy Wilson from Heart, Mary Clayton. You know, I just interview a different artist each week. Well, the producing part is... First, I need to book these artists. I book all, all the talent. So it's a lot okay. of emails and, you know, looking at who who's doing things right now. Because you can't just call up the guys from the offspring and be like, do you want to chat? They're usually having to promote something. They don't just go out there and start doing the promo run, you know, for no reason. Right. So, you know, it's looking for the talent that is willing to do the interviews, setting up the introduction emails, the cold calls to get it all booked, then doing my own prep and get ready for the interview, uh, sending them obviously the Zoom links and what have you, then doing the actual interview, which is then the talent portion of it. And then after the interview, making sure that my editors get all the links of my video and their video and get the edit together and then review the edit to make sure that it's good and cut down and all clean and then delivered. And then obviously talk to my boss to be like, 
like, hey, it happened, it worked, and here's the recap of what this week's episode is about. So it's basically the nuts and bolts from A to Z is the producer part, and the talent hosting part, you know, is just the magical letter M in the middle. <laughs> okay, and that being said, because, I mean, you've got had a number of shows that you hosted and produced, I'm curious, and I'm sure everybody else is too, what is the craziest interview that you can remember doing? <laughs> So I did, I, I love back in the day when I first started doing rock star interviews for Access TV, which was HDNet at the time, you know, I did a show called True Music. And then I remember interviewing Tommy Lee. It wasn't crazy, but that was one of those moments where I was like, I mean, because at the time I was like 21 years old and it was probably like a year after the sex tape came out. So of course I was like, I'm in the room with a guy who can honk a boat horn with his you know what are you this is this is rock star like you don't get any more rock star than Tommy Lee really in my opinion right you know he's definitely a list so uh, it was just really fun to talk and interview him he was really gracious and cool he wasn't a creep you know because a lot of my friends were like oh he's gonna hit on you and you're like first off like hashtag like me too back then. Like you don't do that, right? And he actually was cool. He didn't do that. But we did have like a really cool repertoire and just joked around. And I remember really feeling like I was living the dream. Yeah. So that was an impactful interview for me. Absolutely. And kind of along those lines for your rock and tell show, which is like Mm -hmm. show and tell with rock stars. Yes, I love this. This is such a great concept. First of all, how'd you come up with the idea? And secondly, what was the most bizarre thing that someone showed you? <laughs> okay, so Rock and Tell, again, this is another great one that's on Access TV right now. Uh, download the app or go to their Facebook page or Twitter page or YouTube page and you'll likely find it. But Rock and Tell is something that I came up with ab- about a year ago at the beginning of COVID when I started doing these at-home and social interviews with guests. And those, you know, needed to be about 15 to 20 minutes long. And then I decided, well, I'm going to add on this, like this would be my signature segment, kind of like you have, Right. And so I started asking people to show me their stuff because in a lot of these interviews, you'd see something cool in the background and be like, wait, I'm sorry, Lisa Loeb, is that a Grammy behind you? Bring that over here. Like, let's look at this. And so I started, yeah, saying, let's do rock and tell, you know, show me three to four things and let's talk about it. And it became a spinoff segment of the At Home and Social series. And we've done it with so many cool people, everyone from Ace Freely of Kiss, Bruce Kulik of Kiss, John Five, Sebastian Bach, Nancy Wilson, uh, the guys of OK Go, a lot of cool stuff. I loved when Lisa Loeb showed me her Grammy. I loved when Lee DeWise showed me his trophy for winning American Idol. But I'm trying to think what was like a shocking, weird thing. Oh, 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 wait. Um, Robin Zander of Cheap Trick, he had, it wasn't a boom box. It was an eight track boom box player that was waterproof for the beach. What? Like- what? That is like the weirdest invent, like very, um, that's a time capsule. Yeah. And I saw that too. And I had to laugh. I was like the things that they came up with, like in the, in the eighties. Exactly. Exactly. That technology, they were always trying to do a twist. You never knew what was going to come out. But I'm one of those people, like, I love a good eight track. Everyone's like talks about their vinyl and everything. Listen, first off, I have so many cassette tapes. It's insane. I have so many CDs and those jewel cases. Oh. oh my God. My husband keeps trying to throw them out every time we move. But the eight track, you guys, the eight track, I don't, I don't have any. 
we used to as a family. We used to own this van growing up that looked like the Scooby-Doo van, but it was purple, not just plain purple, glitter purple. And the backside windows, you know how there's usually like those weird bubble circle windows? Ours were star-shaped little bubble windows on the side. Okay, so this was like a Shagadelic machine. It actually had gray shag carpet on the inside, but, oh, and it had a horn, not just the regular horn on the steering wheel, but a horn above the driver's seat that you would press it and it would go, ooga, ooga. <laughs> my parents loved picking my sister up from high school in this van, right? And just embarrassing oh, her. Oh, embarrassing her. And oh, when she absolutely. was 16, that was the car they said you could drive. And she's like, I'd rather take the city bus. Well, this van had an eight track player in it. And so growing up, I just remember road trips being in this van with no seatbelts, listening to 8-Tracks, and most importantly, the 8-Track was Donna Summer. And it was the Donna Summer 8-Track, which featured hot stuff. I would walk around that house singing hot stuff, like nobody's business. And now, mind you, I was like four years old. And when you think of like, looking for some hot stuff, baby, tonight. I mean, she is looking to get laid. And my parents just let this four-year-old prance around just singing that and waving the 8-Track. So there you go. Isn't that funny with those little things that you remember like that? Oh. Like, okay, so you painted a picture for me when I was in, I guess it was elementary school. We had an A-track player in the van and we would drive to the lake. And I remember listening to Carly Simon's No Secrets album. That album, that song will always remind me of an A-track player riding in the back of a van. Yeah. I mean, any time the song comes on the radio, hot stuff, I think of the van. Oh, and I also love thinking of someone left the pie out in the rain or something. Like there was a song on there about that. Oh, yeah. The cake. Yeah, someone the cake. the cake out in the yeah, rain. Is it MacArthur Park? Was that the name of that one? I can't remember. Oh, my God. We're going to have to look that time, one up, Katie. I don't know. All I know is the song. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm a little stroll down memory lane, everybody. I'm sure everyone who is probably over the age of 40 can give us their eight tracker van uh, stories. <laughs> Moving kind of forward in time here, you know, I'm going to have to ask you this because everybody's going to want to hear how you got connected with Mark Cuban. Right. So Mark, this this is so interesting. I think it shows a little bit of like the chutzpah that I had in my youth and the not being afraid to just cold call people and do things. And I think later on in life, you start to be more cautious and you don't Mm -hmm. want to step out there and do such a thing or be so brash, I guess. But what happened is I actually was living in Dallas and I had been doing FM shock jock radio. This was in the era of talk radio was huge where they had FM talk stations, right? Howard Mm -hmm. Stern in the morning, then you had some shock jocks after that. And then there's the afternoon drive. And so it was myself and two guys. It was called the Ron and Don show. I was- oh, I know that show. Oh, I love these guys. So I had actually worked with them at Kiss FM in Phoenix as their morning show producer. Then they moved to go do FM Talk in Dallas, and they didn't bring their female partner with them for some reason or another. And they said, do you want to not only produce the show, but would you like to be on air? Yes. Yes, 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 of course. I love radio. I, I, I love the instant gratification of live. So I was doing Shock Chalk Radio with them. Um, and, and we got fired. So, uh, that happens. <laughs> Dare I ask? Uh, yeah. I mean, it got, it probably had to do with Hooters and barbecue sauce and I don't know what, but, um, okay. Let your imaginations run from there, people. 
we got fired and that's when they got hired or they were starting to look around and they eventually went to Seattle, which is where they still are now. In the meantime, I had found out that UPN and this high definition network called HDNet, they were doing this TV show with Mark Cuban. He was going to be hosting basically a Regis and Kelly type show, right? Yep. And he was going to be talking sports and basketball and have this basketball show and was looking for like a sidekick. The person who told me about it, I ran into them at a grocery store. They're like, oh, it was someone from the radio station. They're like, oh, sorry to hear that you guys got fired and everything. Oh, I wish I'd ran into you last week because they, I knew that they were doing this hiring for this show, but I think they already cast a female. And I was like, jerk, should have called me, had my number. That being said, I literally went to the Rolodex and found the phone number for UPN, CBS, Dallas, and asked like the front receptionist, can I be put to the executive producer of this Mark Cuban show? I got the guy's voicemail. His name was Glenn Nickerson. And I left him a voicemail. I'm like, hey, Glenn, you don't know me. I'm Katie Darrell. I used to work at MTV. I'm currently at this radio station, blah, blah, blah. I heard you hired someone and I can assure you have the wrong person. Call me back. Wow. He called me back. They sent me out uh, with a camera crew to do like a demo package for them, a man on the street, gal on the street type package. Mm-hmm. That was like 48 hours later. And then another 48 hours later, I was sitting next to Mark Cuban on his show. And so I did two seasons of this Mark Cuban basketball show. And during that time, that's when he really started looking for content for HDNet. And I said, I've got an idea. What if I go interview rock stars and show their concerts? Hi, I'm 20 years old. I want to hang out with Tommy Lee. <laughs> And he said, sure, do it. And I started producing and hosting as my full-time professional gig for Mark Cuban. Of course, you know, we all know where Mark has come throughout the years. Were there any lessons? He's been a little bit more successful than me since then. He has, I mean, blown up, obviously, for good reason. And that's why I asked my next question, which is, were there any lessons that you learned from him? And not necessarily where he sat down and said, Katie do this or do that, but just by watching him, or maybe he did say something that really changed your life or impacted how you do things. So two things, one, um, and he didn't say this directly to me, but this is something that I believe he put on Instagram or something recently, but, and I'm definitely misquoting it, but I love his work ethic first off. And like he puts his work ethic in people's faces. He, his whole mantra is while you're sleeping, I'm still working. Yeah. And so I like that. I try to remind myself of that on the days where I'm beat down and tired because I I am juggling a lot with being a mom and with working. The nights that I'm up kind of late and just trying to finish things off, I'm kind of like, well, you know, I mean, is my competitor, is the 20-year-old virgin Katie looking to take my job? Because she will be doing this stuff and she won't have a kid and she won't be tired. She's going to be snorting Ritalin or whatever <laughs> the 20-year-old version does. And so, you know, I kind of think of his work ethic. But actually, the story I love most is I asked him about like when he knew he quote unquote made it. And he said that when he realized he was doing good financially and making it was when he moved out of his apartment or whatever he was renting at the time and uh, didn't care about the deposit. And just walked away with it a mess because you just have that much money where you're like, I ain't cleaning. Right. I don't care. And I was like, okay, all right. Now, mind you, I've never gotten to that point in my life because I'm also OCD clean. So I couldn't like fathom leaving a place dirty and being like, this is my shambles. But yeah, I kind of enjoyed that. And it kind of has always reminded me 
in my own way to every time I've moved out of a place from the little college dorm room to your first apartment with four roommates to your next apartment with only two roommates to your own apartment to always look at the place as you're leaving and remember moving up from there. And hopefully I can continue to do that. Obviously hard times hit and sometimes you have to take a step back, but um, I say appreciate that move as well. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that because that gives me insight and it gives our audience insight and good thing to know, especially about Mark leaving his apartments a mess. Landlords, (laughs) word up. (laughs) Just plan on keeping your deposit when Mark's involved. (laughs) Okay. So my last line of inquiring, if you will, about working for Mark, working for Access TV, which he is the CEO of at this point. I believe he's still on that board. Yeah. You're in a male-centric programming situation, male-centric audiences. Do you have any advice for women who are working in similar environments or would like to? Wow. That's a great question. And... For the longest time, I didn't realize that's what I was working in, to be honest. I was a little oblivious. You know, again, I was just thought I liked music and rock and roll. And yeah, every band seemed to be basically a dude band. And all of our emails were coming from dude fans. But I never thought that that was the only audience. Because Mm -hmm. luckily, I, I also got emails from people saying, hey, my wife loves your show. Or wives, you know, emailing be like, oh, I watch all the time with my husband. I liked your shoes last week. And not to say that women only talk about fashion, but they felt, you know, comfortable to reach out and say these things. So yes, we have a lot of male viewers, but I always was aware that the gals were still there. And so I guess that has always kept me open to being equal and balanced in the way that I talk to people, because I know that there is, I mean, my mom watches everything. So I want to make sure, even though my dad is watching, I want to entertain my mom as well. And the women. Right. It's so interesting because I came up in this industry when all the hashtag movements (laughs) didn't exist. So the stories I could tell from working in radio back in 1997 to early days at TMZ in 2000, could be disgusting. You know, there there are definitely moments and situations that now I look back and I'm like, I didn't even know that that was wrong, that I was put into those situations. So, I mean, my biggest advice is, you know, to just do your homework, keep your finger to the pulse, make sure you know what's right and wrong. Don't be as naive as I was being like, oh, people could just talk to me that way. It's darling. It's not darling. I don't want to say, you know, the whole lean in thing, but yeah, like, you have a voice and you make sure that you get invited to the meetings if you are at the same level as the other guys that are being invited to the meetings. I mean, even as recently as a year and a half ago, there were still meetings that I was excluded from that some of my counter male parts were invited to. And it's just like, what? What? So, and and how do you respond to that on an organizational level? Aside from just the, wait a minute, why was it, why didn't I get the memo? Yeah, you know, um... There were a lot of personnel changes. And so mm-hmm. for me, it was easy for when personnel changed me just to finally be like, hey, I'm supposed to be on that call. Can you send me the link? Ah, <laughs> and I yes. like, pushed myself in when it was like, yeah, I'm supposed to be on this. So like, if you got to lie um, or, you know, what, just ask for it. I mean, I think just saying, you know, hey, mm-hmm. can I be included in that meeting? I'd love to hear what's going on so that it helps me in my day to day. Can you loop me in and invite me to that link? I think is the best thing. Just ask. I mean, when in doubt, ask to be invited, right? 
Absolutely. And like you said, as we're young, we have a tendency to just go out and do it without a second thought. And as we get older, we tend to be a little more cautious and concerned about the what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many what ifs as you get older, especially in an entertainment industry that's not stable. So you, you want to try and make it as stable as possible by not rocking the boat, but how can you move forward without rocking the boat? Oh, the conundrum. (laughs) I agree. Well, you know what? We're getting ready to wrap up our show. So I just wanted to ask if you can share with the audience, we'll have links and all that fun stuff in our show notes, but if you could just let them know how they can connect with you and follow what you're up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to social media, at Katie Daryl, K-A-T-I-E, Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L, is a really easy place to get a hold of me, you know, in terms of checking Instagram, Twitter, I'm really active on Facebook. Facebook, you can look, but I won't read the messages. I just, it got, there, it just got kind of creepy over there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I pay attention to my Twitter and my Insta stuff. If, if you like what you see and you like the programming at Access TV, you know, you can always email them and say, yeah, I'm doing a good job because that doesn't hurt. Absolutely. And people don't realize how important that is. It really is. I, I mean, I truly think, I think it's like viewer at access.tv or email at access. I mean, one of those things, it's, they have it on their website. Like truly the higher ups read these things. You get CC'd on like, hey, here's some viewer comments. And you're like, people read these and they do. I mean, back in the day, Mark Cuban would respond to them personally. Wow. There you have it, folks. The power of the pen or the keyboard (laughs) in this case. (laughs) Well, Katie, Daryl, thank you so much for being a guest on Backstage Chats with Women in Music. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I was happy to be invited. Absolutely. We love stories like yours because they remind us to be dreamers, rule breakers, and rock stars. And if you'd like to support the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, please do. All you have to do is go to horizonmusic.org or the show's webpage, which is backstagechats.com, and click on the donation button. And you can donate to the cause. You can also volunteer. Just contact us. And you can also sign up for our newsletter on the website. We would love to have you. My name is Thea Wood. I'm your host. Be sure to tune in for our next episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. It's a wrap. Backstage Chats with Women in Music is a production of Horizon Music Foundation, a nonprofit based in Austin, Texas. Giving credit where credit is due, we'd like to thank folks for their contributions to this episode, including guest Katie Darrell, Chloe Brown for audio production and editing, Bianca Garcia and her interns Essence and Caleb for social media support, and Pond5 for our theme music. Your donations make this podcast possible. Please visit horizonmusic.org to donate today. This podcast is the property of Horizon Music Foundation and is protected under copyright law. Use of this podcast is for personal and non-commercial purposes only. No other use of this production, including and without limitation, reproduction, retransmission, or editing, may occur without prior consent from the Horizon Music Foundation. Submit all requests to info at horizonmusic.org.